Today's show is brought to you by Marriage Supply. Marriage Supply is a place for lovers. Mm-hmm. And you can search Marriage Supply and browse our curated selection of toys, lubes, and candles, all for couples in a porn-free environment. So just go. Just enjoy yourself over there at Marriage Supply. Get some stuff. You know, I know the pan- pandemic's winding down. I know. I get it. But you know what's not winding down? Your sex drive. Your libido. Matt. Winding up. Uh, I mean, it's it's time to get in, if you know what I mean. We've, we've been trapped indoors, but it's time to get in mm-hmm. with the lover of your life. So marriagesupply.com. There you go. The uh, you, you can go to that site. You get a little bit excited. You can go to that site, mm-hmm. and you're still not looking at porn. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? You get that little feeling like you want to look something up. Well, look up. No porn but a sex toy, and then think about yeah. how to use that in a positive way. Not bad. Right. Not and bad. I, yeah. And, I mean, not bad. <laughs> yeah, think about it as, like, a way to build your relationship. I'm excited Take that about- energy you have, that little old-fashioned feeling when you get it, and mm-hmm. now convert that into a second-order thinking where in a couple of weeks from now, a week from now, y'all do quick shipping, so it could be oh, yes, we do. a few days from now, you know, relationship building. Oh, there man, you, you, you want to have some fun, go to marriagesupply.com. Now, um, I will say this, Matt. We just got done with our uh, Monday-Friday episode. If you're in the BC Club, you get extra episodes of this podcast, and they're very fun. And I was saying that I love eating, mm-hmm. uh, even while I'm talking on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I finished my meal, but I do have a bar here. It's a protein bar. But I kind of want to eat it while I'm doing this episode. But I'm not going to for the freaks out there that don't like hearing people eat. There's some freaks out there that don't want to hear it. They don't want to go there. They don't want to do anything like that. So I'm not going to. I'll eat off mic. But I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm Now, is there... Okay, I didn't hear the word fetish until I believe I was about... I think I'm not joking. I think I was 25 or 26 years old. <laughs> I did. I, first time I heard it, I had no. It sounded weird to me. And, and uh, this is true, man. I never told you this before. I swear, I thought it always had to do with feet because the first time I heard it, it was foot fetish. Foot fetish yeah. So I thought it was That's just the most common yeah. usage, probably. Right. And so I thought, oh, it's something with feet. People really like feet. What is that thing? I don't. I mean, it's nice to have your foot massaged or something. But I mean, what does it mean? To have a fetish. Is that extra? Like, what does it mean? You know, and then I saw some things online that you don't see on marriage supply, but I have personally seen some things about feet online that, uh, yeah, people really do get into it. Yeah, but, a lot. but that's, that's really just one of those words that's really been screwed up, like many. A fetish 
there's a there's a such thing as a foot fetish where yeah. you get off with doing sexual things with feet. Oh yeah. There's also the concept of a sexual fetish where there's something that you're really into that you bring into a, the sexual realm. And then there's just the word fetish, which means you like something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which means like you're into something. Like you can have a fetish. You're for telling something. me some sick fucks hijack fetish from yeah, what? It's from, not, from I mean, the it's world. It's not an inherently sexual concept. It's just a word you can't use unless you want people to think about weird shit, right? And that you're a weirdo, so you can't explain to somebody. Yeah, fetish that you have, can only be used in a weird sense now. Like, oh, I have right. this fetish for you know whatever. Right. So we Damn. just get words that that you know that happens to them and they're they're gone but you just, and but <laughs> so nobody uses it and then you don't hear it until you're 22 years old and somebody's talking about doing weird foot masturbation right or something and then that's all you could ever think about with that word i don't even really know i guess fetishes are anything sexual fetishes are anything now i mean i still i still don't totally know i mean uh, they may have always been anything <laughs> i think there's always been weird ones as I guess that's as, like, I mean, that's what like Army Hammer got in trouble, right? Because he, the actor guy, or whatever, because he's like his fetish was he wanted the women he had sex with to be like slaves or dead to him or, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, I don't I know, mean, but they how say do you the, find, how do you find that fetish out that you want somebody to worship you? How do you find that fetish? It like you stumble upon it. I mean, what what is it? Something in his past. I mean, what does that mean? Like when you say. Because uh, one of the things was like he's a cannibal. He wants to eat flesh or something like that. What? How do you stumble into that fetish and go, oh, this one's for me? As you lasted to- about two minutes before you started eating that protein bar. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody out out listening right now. Rock hard. <laughs> fetish is fetish fulfilled. Dude, oh, my God. Toby's eating? Um, okay, I'm going to quit eating right now. now. You're right. You can look this up. It may be true, but I heard... And it could make sense okay. um, that a foot fetish, they say there's some evidence that it's actually not, uh, it's it's actually something to do with the <laughs> a brain physiology. See if you can look that what? up and find, look it I don't up understand and see what you're I'm saying. Not, it's, it's either true or not true or whatever, but you'll find something on it that there's some region of the brain, like in the, in the way that is wired to where some slight cross wiring can all of a sudden the arousal happens at feet instead of like boobs or something, but it has to do with like miss like just a physical thing, not like you get into it like you had an experience when you were young with your feet. It's not about a nurture experience; it's like a nature kind of thing. Like you know, how some people taste cilantro as soap. Yeah, I do. Well, this is it's, it's like some pe- they say there's some wiring thing. Um, where the foot fetish could come from. You say anything I'm, about that? Okay, so I'm on menshealth.com, <laughs> world renowned for their science articles. But it says uh, it, fetishes about something, about feet or something else, are a multi sensory experience. Different people might find different things arousing about their fetish object. In the case of feet, it's more about the visual aspect for some, but, mo- but for others, it may be about sniffing. <laughs> Licking and otherwise, this is not what you're into. This is not no. what you're talking about. I'm trying to find it, but I don't. I don't see. I typed in, "Why do you have foot fetishes?" Mental. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find anything right now. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure you're right. You're, so, what are you trying to say? It's something. Uh, let me go to w- Wikipedia. Has a foot fetishism. 
I'll, I'll go to Wikipedia. But what what are you trying to say? Well, that Freud it is? said that it the person perceives the foot as the or the toes as penis substitutes. Oh, so that's okay. the that's just like the the classical way to, to say it. But I I've heard it a different way where there's something to do with the brain itself. Um, but I don't know, so I can't find it. But anyway. You get them for super. Wait, weird. hold on. I might have found it on Wikipedia. <clears throat> the cortical uh, homonucleus, also known as Penfield's homonucleus, a map of the human brain illustrating respective locations for where different parts of the body are processed, shows a possible link between feet and toes to the genitalia. There exists controversy regarding the neural crosslink, as some That's medical it. professionals have been known to question the simplicity of the map or whatever. But basically, there's a map between. Those things, like you said, it, mm-hmm. imitating a penis or a vagina or or something like that. So, yeah, you were right, like that. So, so the the you don't get it because you necessarily had an early experience. It's like something like that. But some of the fetishes are, you know, you you get into weird stuff where yeah. if like power stuff or dominance and things like that you can get into. Right. But th- I think those, those things kind of, some fetishes just evolve like you get into something. Yeah. Like, you know how you get way into tea yeah. or coffee or craft beer oh, or yeah. weird shaped things up your butt. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just something you get into. Like, the more yeah. you get into it, the more there is to explore. It's that acquired taste is another way to put it. It's like it doesn't make sense at first. But once you've had, you know, once you've really had some weird, right, exotic mushrooms, so you think, wow, I want that weird, funky one again, or that cheat, that really weird right. cheese that everybody else thinks is gross that I like because I can tell the nuance. Like <laughs> how, how you it. drink peat scotch. Yeah, yeah, like a peat scotch. It. Like it, yeah, like I hate that. It tastes so terrible. But the way you drink it, it makes me think something. I think that your taste buds aren't a, a crazily differently different than mine. But something about that spikes your interest and you can handle that taste in a, a more thoughtful you way learn than I can. to appreciate it right that's mine, what, that's... mine is just oh i don't like chicken nuggets when i'm a kid or something you know what i mean or whatever mm-hmm. it is you know mine is basic and you're thinking about it in broader terms yeah you learn to appreciate it kind of a thing that's right it's just a qu- acquired taste you i don't know re- i mean i could with feet or a fetish or something like that i just i i can I guess I could see, like, because feet seem dirty or stinky, that that would be like, ooh, this is kind of dirty. It's nasty or something. Yeah. I could see that. But I don't really think of myself like a fetish person. Like, I, there's nothing where I'm like, this is what I need to do. Like, if you know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I like. Some if, people if I, like vanilla ice cream. There's nothing wrong with it. But is that what I am? Am I vanilla? I don't feel I like I'm vanilla. vanilla. I've always thought my whole life as a Christian, I was a dirty, filthy, nasty <laughs> sex fiend. But I don't think I'm that crazy. I don't think you are. Like, like I think most people go, uh. You'd say you have probably a high sex drive, maybe higher than average sex drive, but you're, what yeah. you like sexually is quite vanilla. Yeah. Like, you have sex with your wife in I a just, few different it, rooms right. and positions. Okay. I just love it if we had a good time. My fetish is, man, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that that actually is the, what would make me the happiest. If my wife, after we had sex, if she literally said, that was really cool. That would be that'd make my year. I, I couldn't be. I mean, I'd immediately probably want to have sex again or something like that. I mean, it just it's just that just the way, would be the way it would would go for me. Not like she shoved her whole foot in my mouth. I could get into it. I can't. That's the thing. I, I'm malleable. I could get into that. If if your wife shoved her foot 
really damn hard in your all mouth. The ankle. Oh yeah, all the way yeah. in there, and you're like, oh my god, oh, oh fuck yeah, or whatever. You, know, <laughs> you can you could get. That's why I think that's the way we are. We could get into it. Yeah, I could get it. I mean, I could. Yeah, I could get into that. But I, yeah, yeah. If I mean, she you was know. really into right. it, right? I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd probably figure you out could what's get cool into about it. Like yeah. if she thought this is fucking awesome, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If yep. she, if Jess rammed her heel into my mouth, <laughs> and, and then at the end of everything, she was like, "Man, that was really cool." I'd be just so happy. Do I don't care what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could do, I could do anything. Well, remember but the first I just time you actually found out like what oral sex was? You thought that doesn't sound good, right? What are you talking about? That's and where then, we kiss. Then you acquired. <laughs> I yeah, kiss then, her there. Yeah, then you acquired. on her lip, her mouth, her lips. We kiss. Right. So she. She's gonna go down there. What? No, that, that's that, that's bad. But you figured out why it was actually good. You just oh. you weren't open minded enough. Yeah, is all at the yeah. when you first right. heard about what intercourse or oral sex was. You said, "Whoa, I don't think I would be into that." That's the fastest thing you ever learned too. When it yeah, happened, you, oh, you were no, like, "Oh I, I wait, now. <laughs> I was really wrong." I apologize to everybody. I'm sorry. This was I was way wrong. Yeah, I want to just apologize gross. to everybody I've ever known. No, it is not great. If not I ever gross. said that, I gave you the impression that I thought that was gross, I'm really sorry. I for, I'm, I'd like to ask forgiveness for everybody because that is not gross. Wow, what a whopping exercise in humility this intercourse <laughs> thing turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right, we got a good episode coming up here. Uh, well, we're already in it, but we got a good guest coming up, Father Martin. Um, he's all over the place. I was just watching... Uh, Interview with him with Stephen Colbert. He's like buddies with Stephen Colbert. Oh, nice. Who's also a Catholic. So, but he's a Jesuit preach uh, priest. And I was thinking about how I almost had no experience with priest in my life. I was always preacher. What about preacher, with Presbyterian? Pastor? Yeah, yeah. With, with Presbyterian. What do they call you? I think we just say preacher. I mean, you that's what I preacher, would say. Right? But that was, I think, I think priest see. is most. Well, I'm going to ask him: Is priest mostly Catholic? Priest I mean, is more Catholic, yeah. Or, I mean, I meant, uh, Episcopal and stuff. Like, right, it's more of the yeah, yeah. formal. The, right. No, but, uh, but it's not even in not necessarily Protestant. mainline. It's not mainline. You get farther away from priest as you get more Protestant. Yeah. Is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't even so. know if that's true, but something like that. Yeah. You might be uh, right. You, the clergy and the the pastor. The pas- pastor. What is the definition of the word pastor? It seems like I'd know that. What's a pastor? I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> yeah, you would think you would think we know it. You want know, from Miriam Webster? Here we go. Uh, this is pretty deep. A spiritual overseer. Okay. To serve as pastor of a herdsman. That makes okay. kind of sense. The meaning, uh, yeah, but priest look. will have a more narrow definition. You think so? Uh, it couldn't be more broad than spiritual overseer. <laughs> uh, let's see. I spelled priest wrong. And it does not understand. Preacher means, you know, you deliver sermons. That's the simplest way yeah. that's narrow. That's very specific. A priest is like a title. Priest is one authorized to perform the sacred title, the sacred rites of a religion, especially as a mediatory agent between humans and God. Wow, that's way more detailed. Yeah. Wow. That's serious. Yeah, that really is. That's kind of crazy. The people that get, you know, if you just say, oh, I'm a pastor. Like, uh, think about when we're on tour and our friend Chip comes out. Right. Uh, and does some tattoos and a Bible study. And somebody says, he's a tour. He's the tour pastor. Right. Because he led a Bible study. He could arrive with a rock band and do a Bible study once. That's pastor, spiritual. Over- I mean, you get the full 
you get to be right up there with priest. Like, yeah. a, like we here we are not knowing the difference in a priest and a pastor. Turns out one of them means, well, you know, I know some spiritual stuff, like, you know, generally. And the other one is mediates Me- the rights between man and God. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a little the t- different. Tiny little difference in how you use the P word. <laughs> That's what- he media he's a media mediatory agent between humans and God. Right. And, and then and then, and I then there's pastor who's like, I don't know, you want me to lead the prayer? I don't know, I'll do it. He serves as a pastor, is what yeah. one of the definitions is. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is wild. But All I mean right. you get to pastor can carry a lot of weight sometimes. Well oh, yeah. With unearned weight, it turns out. All right, but we're going to have Father Martin on here. We're going to ask him a bunch of questions. His new book is Learning to Pray, A Guide for Everyone. And I told him when uh, we he was coming on that we, you know, I don't... Matt, you pray much? Well, we'll get into it. Okay. We'll get yeah, into I that, like but we're going like to have to define pray, the other P word, and yep. you're going to love this transition I'm about to pull right now. Use another P word called praise, which yep. is also in that... You know, territory, and you're listening right now to a song called Praise the Void. It's a brand new song. I don't know if you'd call it a praise song, but it's from a Christian rock band called Demon Hunter. And it's from their new album, Songs of Death and Resurrection. Songs of Death and Resurrection is a collection of beloved Demon Hunter songs that have been reimagined into acoustic arrangements featuring the full band, string sections, and lots more. This has been a big release for them. We've been talking about it for a while. And it turns out people really, really like these special set recording kind of things, whether it's on video or it's a special or a virtual concert or an album or a DVD. I'm saying that here we are in the new territory where people are upping the game on top of just albums and songs and singles. So I'm really happy to see the innovation you create these themed worlds and stuff that's happening with, with bands. And Demon Hunters is, is probably one of the best bands at thinking forward and creating good art, branding, awareness, and a package to share their music and stuff in. So good job to them. It released in full on March 5th, so you can listen now in full wherever you buy or stream music. They've got vinyl box sets available. Um, there's uh, they got standard vinyl options, and you can find them all in the Solid State store. So go listen to Songs of Death and Resurrection, and we hope you love it.
Well, thank you for joining us today. We're glad that you're here. And um, Toby and I were just talking about the difference in priest and pastor and preacher and from mm-hmm. where we grew up in in the South. Um, a lot of those were always blurred together, and we did. I don't even know if we're that familiar with this yeah, distinction. Yeah, I, I was never exposed to a priest until I, I mean, maybe at my twenties. Like wow. I never, yeah, I did, it was always pastor to me. You know, I yeah, grew that's up in okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, first uh, of all, for, yeah, first of all, good to be with you guys. I'm happy to be with you guys. Yeah, um, thanks for being. Yeah, here. it's it's just it's just different nomenclature: pastor, reverend, priest. Generally speaking, in the Catholic Church, when you say and this is just this is just for us. Uh, in the Catholic Church, when you say pastor, it's the guy who's in charge of the parish. So there's a pastor. Um, he's like the head priest, and then everybody else is a priest, right? So I'm a priest, and but the, but I know that in in evangelical and Protestant um, circles, it's pastor so and so or pastor this. But the pastor is the kind of head priest in the parish. That's just that's just Catholic talk. Well, even in your bio, it says you're a Jesuit priest. Correct. And, and 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 what is that? I mean, is that defined differently than just Catholic priest or what, what, what is that? No, that's another good question. Um, so a Jesuit is a member of a religious order. Um, so like Franciscans, Benedictines, uh, who else am I missing? Dominicans. So we live in community. We take vows of poverty, chastity and obedience. In the states, we're mainly known. The Jesuits are mainly known for our schools, like our basketball schools, like yeah. Georgetown and Gonzaga and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we live in community basically. So that's different than what's called a diocesan priest or a parish priest who might, who would just be kind of working in a parish. I don't want to say just who, who is focused on working in a parish. So we do a little more things like run schools and soup kitchens and work with refugees and retreat centers and stuff like that. It's just a different way of being a priest, but it's basically a Catholic priest. It's the same yeah. thing. Excellent. Uh, but it's so, even Catholic. Don't feel bad because even Catholics don't get that stuff. Yeah, we just kind of <laughs> grew up with a priest. It's something you see on TV where they wear the. You know, it's just like it was in the South. There's so little Catholic in yeah. the rural South, especially. Right. So yeah. it was like rabbis and priests are these things that are on TV. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, and it's, it's well, and it's funny because I'm in the Northeast, and it's you know most people they don't know pastors, and when they say it's funny because when they meet a Protestant pastor, they'll be like, "Oh, hello, Father," and it's like, "Well, not exactly." <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I'm glad to be on your. your your show. Nice to be with you guys. Yeah, we're glad yeah, to hear you. So, uh, and doing some a little bit of research on you, um, I found that you you've done a lot of work with the LGBT community, um, which is interesting because a, a buddy of mine sent it today. It said, and I wanted to just what what does this mean? It said from the Associated Press, the Vatican decrees that the Catholic Church cannot bless same sex unions since God cannot bless sin. But I, I, I figured you were in the know behind the scenes working with that, you've been working with the LGBT community uh, a lot uh, for years now, right? If, I, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and really been kind of on the forefront of trying to be a part of the inclusion and stuff. What, mm-hmm. what is this, is, is this decree new? Is this something that you knew was coming or what, what, what does this mean for the Catholic church? Yeah, I didn't know it was coming. Um, it's, it's news. It's in a sense, it's not surprising because that's the way the Vatican approaches those things. But it's a much more, let's say, um, harsh way of stating it than they have before. It's pretty, it's pretty clear, pretty strong. So, yeah, I'll just say without like some of the stuff I can't talk about, but with, sure. you know, I'll just say that not, a, I would say a lot of LGBT Catholics today are pretty sad. So. Right. 
What is yeah. your so? But as far as you are concerned, you've been trying to be more inclusive, or what? Like, mm-hmm. what's your work with the LGBT community? Yeah, so it's basically um, it's basically trying to reach out to you know this group in the Catholic Church, LGBTQ Catholics who are part of the church. You know, they're baptized Catholics, and just you know remind them that God loves them and that they're 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 welcome in the church. They're part of the church, and that we need to reach out to them the way Jesus reached out to people on the margins. You know, that's just that's oh. what Jesus did, and. He's always going out to people who are kind of outside the, you know, as you know, the normal framework right. of things. And, you know, like the Roman centurion, the woman at the well, you know, I mean, on and on and on. So it's just I'm trying to build bridges between the institutional church um, and this group and this LGBT Catholic community. So, yeah, so it's sometimes an uphill battle. Right. Because, I mean, especially with like news like this, it probably makes your mm-hmm. uh, work harder. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, because is there... That's what I was wondering, like, as far as pastors, priests go, mm-hmm. working within the LGBT community seems to be uh, a, a bit of a landmine, right? Like, you mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. might go down that hill. Like, w- once mm-hmm. you move into that, do you, I mean, other other folks, do they turn their back or they don't care about you as much anymore? Or they, or, I mean, what is it tough to be in that world on it both is. sides? Yeah, that's actually a good, <laughs> that's actually a great analogy or great imagery. Yeah, you go into that. That's actually a very good imagery. You go into that landmine, and there, you turn around. There, are, there aren't a lot of people. <laughs> There's not a lot of people following. You. <laughs> right. So it's yeah, you know. Mm-hmm, I like that. I'm going to steal that image from now on. That's a great sure. image. <laughs> so you have a new book out called "Learning to Learning to Pray: A Guide for Everyone." And so yeah. this is uh, when uh, we were talking to Kelly, the, the publicist, about having you on. I, it was interesting to me because my prayer life has diminished a lot, probably over mm-hmm. the years. It's uh, you know, I grew up in a church uh, where prayer was important, and mm-hmm. um, we, uh, my my grandfather was a pastor. Hold and on, that's it, my phone. Let me turn that oh, off. Oh yeah, 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 sure, I sure. apologize. No problem. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. That's that, his phone. Sounds like the bells from uh, I know <laughs> Catholic. It's like the cathedral. It's the perfect. <laughs> it's like he's in the bell room. It's the perfect it. priest phone uh, number. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, now, is there a chance that the that's the Catholic Church calling? I'm gonna ask him. Is Sorry, is that today, a special today. is that a special ringtone when the, the diocese <laughs> is like, like it. perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Pope calling. <laughs> no, today's kind of a crazy day. Um, so go ahead. Before my 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 bells rudely interrupted. Oh you. no, no, no problem at all. But uh so I grew up very evangelical. My mm-hmm. grandfather was a pastor. Um mm-hmm. we grew up uh, so the church I grew up in was like uh you weren't once saved, always saved. Like you had to continuously seek after God. To uh, I mean, God basically was an authoritarian that you had to uh, really serve, mm. and any slip ups, you would be condemned to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it very tough. Now I love my grandfather, I love my family, and all that stuff. And and there was a lot of good to it as well, but there was a lot of uh, really dark uh, thoughts there mm-hmm. that went along with being in the church. And so prayer to me, when I as an early child, my prayer was literally begging God, please forgive me. Like, I mean, that is exactly how my prayers were. Like I would do something wrong. Like, uh, we went over to a neighbor's house one time and picked her apples out of her apple tree without asking. And I remember we got caught and it wasn't, the the neighbor didn't really care. My mom made us go, but I remember for two weeks, I just told myself, I will pray every day to God. Please forgive me, God, please, God, I am so sorry for what I did. Please forgive me, God. I am sorry for what I've done. 
And so as I got older and older, I couldn't keep that up. It was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I just thought at a certain point, uh, uh, yeah, and I just thought at a certain point, I, I might be going to hell either way. So uh, at least I don't want to have this anxiety and fear. Like, what am I doing? I'm just asking God, please forgive me. Please don't punish me. Don't, 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 don't. And so uh, prayer for me got a, a, a darker tone to it. It was, like I said, this authoritarian, uh, strong man God mm-hmm. that would ruthlessly, you know, led us and only a very small amount would go to heaven. And so for, for me, prayer diminished more and more. You know, there was a time where I'd pray and it was just kind of talking to God. And then eventually it just got to where I felt like, man, at least God probably knows my thoughts. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you show up in your book, learning to pray a guide for everyone. And I started thinking, well, is it? I, I don't, I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. Like, well, that's is a, it? yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, yeah. it's a great, I think your experience is really similar to the experience of a lot of Christian, right? And a lot of it depends on, as you say, very articulately, uh, your image of God. And if you, if your only image of God is as a judge, right. And, and a, mm-hmm. and a nasty judge, right. I mean, a judge is going to send a kid to hell for, you know, stealing some apples, then that's going to affect how you relate to God. And in the book, I talk about um, your image of God really influencing how you pray. Uh, And so if that's your image of God, then that's going to influence your relationship. And one of the invitations for Christians is to see new images of God. So for example, like the prodigal son, right? Look at the father and the prodigal son story, who's not like that, who's actually the opposite. I mean, the the guy in the prodigal son story, he doesn't even get the words of forgiveness out of his mouth and the father is already forgiving him. So part of it is, looking at the images of God that you've had or, you know, that have been imposed on you, you know, when you were a kid and, and really questioning them and saying, you know, are there other images of God that, you know, that, that are more, um, you know, appealing to me and that are more accurate too, because that's not the God of Jesus, you know, the constant judge. Right. So, right. so yeah, so it is, it's, it's, it's maybe um, helping people to deepen their understanding of who God is for them. I'm going to say my, now that Toby said that, I realize how distinct that is from the way that I've always thought about prayer mm-hmm. as a child and then as a teen and adult. <clears throat> but to me, I've never been afraid of God. I've never had, I didn't grow, I grew up in a mainline Presbyterian home and I mm-hmm. wasn't afraid of God at all. But I did think that it must be real and there must be something and it's got to be something kind of like magic that if you do it, there's some benefit that you can get from it. So I guess if I'm looking back at it now, I've always thought of prayer as magic, where Mm -hmm. it's like, well, even if I just do it, even if I don't know what I'm doing or can't tell, it probably does a thing that I can't under, either mechanistically can't understand, but probably the real magic is in there. So you have to do your duty to get the rewards, but it's mystical in a way that I... If as long as I put in the hours, that's the best I can do. But I don't yeah, know if this also, works or yeah. doesn't. But yeah, also very common, which is kind of like transactional. Mm-hmm. Like if I do this, then God's going to do this. Which is, I mean, it's it's natural. We all we all sort of feel like that at times. But it also, you know, it, it puts a lot on us. It's like if I do this, God's going to do this, right? And so one of the things I talk about in the book is really looking at it more as a relationship, right? And so you know what you were saying, Toby, like. Imagine being in a relationship with someone who's only judging you. That that's that's not going to work, right? And and Matt, if I can call you that, um, you know, imagine being in a relationship where it's all transactional. Like if I do this for my friend, he's going to do this. So what the invitation is is to look at it, you know, like a relationship with any friend or any person you're close to that requires honesty and openness and trust and listening, 
you know, noticing where God is, is where work in your life. Right. And also, as I talk about in the book, listening in your prayer, which, you know, basically means looking at what's coming up in prayer as a way of God communicating with you and then deepening that relationship. But the two things you're talking about are very common with all Christians, right? The first thing is God is judge, or as a friend of mine likes to say, God is the parole officer, which I love because you've already done something bad. And Matt, as you were saying, you know, the transactional nature, if I do this, God will do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's, yeah, that's all natural. We all do that, but it's, 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 it's sort of inviting people into a kind of a deeper relationship where it's more of a, it's more of an open loving relationship, Mm -hmm. which is really the, the, the God that, again, that Jesus is inviting us to in the, in the gospels. So that gets you to, if I can be more mature than the basic frame, then as my mind expands and as I graduate to higher and higher points of view, then I get maybe two more areas of problem when I think about that. One Mm -hmm. is transactionally, Mm. I think, well, in reality, if I'm being technical, all of my relationships are also transactional. There is that element to it. So me and my wife have a relationship. We have a, a contract. In fact, we made a deal to do a thing together. Like I'm in a business with Toby. I'm in a deal with my wife and we, it is transactional and there's more beyond that, but there is something that we are agreeing to both parties that do and uphold. That is a relationship fundamentally has that. And so then when I'm thinking about that with God, it makes me want to ask the question, if I'm praying, if I'm believing, what is my end Mm. And what is his end? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there is a covenant, right? So you can say that there's a covenant like between you and your wife and between you and God. But I would say, I mean, as you were saying, it's it's more than that. I mean, you you don't love her simply so that she can love you back, right? It's not, you don't, you don't, I mean, you love her because you love her, right? And it's the same with God. Um, and so you, and you do have a responsibility to God in terms of, you know, following his commandments and but it's not like if I do this, I'm going to force God to do this. You know, if I let's say, you know, if I pray for an hour asking for something, he has to do this because then it's kind of taking away, you know, like the freedom. It would be like, you know, I'm not married, but it would be like in a relationship. You know, if I am nice to my wife, I'm going to demand that she be nice to me. No, I mean, part of it is just out of, you know, you love her out of free will and you, you're, you're, you're kind to her and love her because you love her. So it's it's. It's, it's sort of inviting people into that new kind of relationship with God. That, that's not, to, again, that's not to say that the ways that we pray and the ways that we relate to God, you know, when we were younger or in, in part, you know, uh, transactional or, or that kind of stuff, or that we have stuff to do is wrong. It's just that it's more than that. As, as anybody would say about a marriage, it's more than just, it's more than just the contract. It's, it's the relationship itself. But what about to the skeptic saying, well, I know my end is I have to make time in the morning mm-hmm. and pray and think about be honest and be open, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what's his mm-hmm. end? If you to the skeptic, what does he do? Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, part of it is to the skeptic. I mean, the person who's the believer to say, like, well, look what God's doing in your life. Like, look around and see what God is doing in your life. How is God blessing you? Where are you noticing God? How does God bless you through relationships and friends and nature and work and all that and church and all that kind of stuff? This is kind of God's response. But also, at some point. You have to give God God's freedom. I mean, God is free, right? And so we can't say, I'm going to demand this. And part of the difficulty for the believer is, you know, when you don't get, when it seems like you don't get what you ask for in prayer, right? And so can you still believe in a God who's mystery? I mean, God is ultimately is mystery, but it is still, it is still worth it, right? To be in relationship with that God. I think the mystery part is what throws me off because then I go, well, 
how do I dedicate myself to a mystery? Mm. You know, that, that, that's where it gets a little bit, uh, mm. uh farther for me to feel confident in it because mm-hmm. I go, wait, I'm going to dedicate this time and I'm going to, uh, pray this way and I'm going to ask God these things and then God will, will reveal to me something, I think. But is that when we, when, are you saying that when you pray, you are asking God to reveal or, or I mean, for example, especially like within the evangelical church, there was a big, you know, healing. God will heal this person. They have cancer, and we're praying and believing that God will heal this person, and they die. And then so ultimately it feels like the big letdown, like, wait, God, and then you have to, the only way you can fix it is to go, well, it was their time and God's plan. But but how do you don't even know what you're supposed to be praying? Are you supposed to be praying for healing? Are you not? Like, I mean, God doesn't give, maybe that's even the question I have with the traditions and stuff that you were are talking about in this book of the traditions of prayer and the the mm-hmm. styles of prayer is is does God give us a guideline of how we are supposed to pray? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're all good. Again, all good questions. And the question is, what happens when we? You know, I I agree with you. You know, people pray for someone to get better, and they don't get better, right? I mean, that's the key is, can you still believe in a God you don't understand? And you're right, it is. It's always going to be mystery. And I think most believers would say. That, that ultimately they do know that God is kind of beyond them, right? And, and most people are like, I'm okay with that. Now, fortunately, you know, for the Christian, we have Jesus, you know, who embodies God, who is God, who shows us what God is like. So it's not a total sort of mystery. We can look in the gospels and see who Jesus is. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, you're, you know, we're, we're not God. And, and we, we, are, we are sort of, you know, sort of finite mortal beings who are dealing with this mystery. And, and I think at some point the believer does have to be okay with that. Now, that doesn't mean that God's never revealing, you know, himself to us. I think that happens all the time, but it, it, not the way we want, you know. I mean, you know, it's, it's like it's, that's the story of the Old and the New Testament. I mean, it's, it's never the way that the people want. In the Old Testament, he's very, he's mystery. In the New Testament, they don't like what Jesus is doing. You know, they're like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be this way. So it's always beyond us. Which, but I, I, think, I, think that's, I think part of it is being okay with that, mm-hmm. so which is the, hard. It's a challenge. The next level of it, when I'm, trying, when, when I'm coming to it open-minded mm-hmm. and as I mature and change the way I think um, from when I was a kid, as I continue to expand that and, and the boundaries of it and things like mm-hmm. that is... Um, I'm curious where you see the boundary of what prayer, what activity is prayer and what the concept of, of God, where its limits are in your mind. Cause when I see Jesus, like the thing I'm most anchored to is I'm a fan of Jesus and the way that he operated in the world that he was in. Mm-hmm. To me, that's still the ground level thing that I most mm-hmm. believe in is that that guy was knowing stuff that other people don't know, and he was trying to communicate it. And what he mm-hmm. did is worth trying to understand and emulate. That's how I see the character of Jesus, and I have him top of my list of good people. Me too. To be like, to understand, to know mm-hmm. what they really, to know more about. Mm-hmm. And he spent a lot of time in prayer. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting and fascinating and significant to me. However, I don't know how to close my mind to more of the of thinking if I'm really trying to not think about dogma for 2000 years and try to understand that guy Jesus strikes me more now as an eastern meditator than yeah, yeah. Pre, you know 
the relationship with the guy, you know, and it seems like he would find solitude and calm and was probably doing stuff like getting in tune with his, what his consciousness was and doing these, you know, reaching a higher state and, and God and the kingdom maybe in a more abstract sense than the dogma tells us. So I don't yeah, know how far to go with, with that. Yeah, I think that's a great insight. I mean, I, I mean, we don't know what Jesus's prayer is like, right? But he obviously, as you were saying, he withdraws a lot and he prays and he has this relationship with the father that's beyond us. I mean, you know, the relationship between Jesus and the father is, is, is beyond us. By the same token, so I do think there's there, certainly there are these mystical experiences that he has that we don't have access to. By the same token, so and that's a kind of that's a, that's sort of what we imagine as the Eastern tradition. But I think the Christian tradition has those has those sort of um, practices as well, and people who are mystics. And mm-hmm. but he's at the same time he's a devout Jew, and he's you know he he you know hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. So so he's praying. He goes to the synagogue. So he's also very rooted in. Jewish tradition as well, you know, mm-hmm. which would have been familiar to the people of his time. And he teaches us how to pray, you know, with the Our Father. Um, so the disciples like you and me, you know, saw him and saw him in this connection with the Father and, and wanted to know how to pray. And so the Our Father is his his petition. Now, to your earlier point, um, he the Our Father is asking for things, right? I mean, he's still, mm-hmm. you know, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. I mean, these are petitionary prayers. So that's that's part of the tradition, too. Um, but I, 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 I think, you know, what you're saying is, is accurate, you know, that, that he is a mystic, right? It is, it does sort of, um, it, it transcends what we know about prayer, but by the same token, he is rooting himself in Jewish prayer and, and giving us examples of prayer. Yeah. Because he was doing both things that were traditional and formal in the rabbinical sense Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that, that, and you're right that even the Jewish people, they get quite mystical and Kabbalah Mm -hmm. and all the everything. And Mm -hmm. then you can go farther that way and be very Eastern and and th- stuff like that. When I would pray, I used to pray in a more religious way. And I would, look, for instance, eight years ago, I would have been doing trying to read through the Bible in a year. So I would get up early and make time to accomplish that goal. And I would spend time in a probably a confession prayer, an openness yeah. to God's mm-hmm. voice, and a little bit of scripture reading. I would mm-hmm. do that maybe for 15 minutes just to know that I was doing it's part of that. Like, I know this will pay off somehow. It, it, you know, even though I couldn't necessarily. Exactly, no. And now, I do not do that, but I do get up early, and then there's tons of times when I've never done anything, and now I get up early, and I get calm, and I get in the same place in my house, and I do, I, I just meditate. I don't think, but, and I do a meditation that's way more uh, just uh, more like a personal wellness meditation, like on a meditation app or something, where I'm just trying to focus on breathing and calmness and openness to center myself and become aware of my consciousness and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. it does function very similarly to when I used to try to read the Bible in a year and pray to God about specific faith-based mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So the concept of God is much more relaxed or something there. And it doesn't. Re- it's almost as if that routine and mystical is something mystical about it that I enter into, but it's kind of nonspecific. Yeah, is which, that the same activity or a yeah, different activity? I would say it's this it's the same activity just done in a different way. And you know, I talk in the book about centering prayer. I mean, part of it there's so many different ways of praying, right? I mean, there's the way you talked about before which is centering yourself in scripture and maybe thinking about scripture and be having insights and all that which is one way that God communicates with us. You know, you've had an insight. You say, "Okay, that's sort of coming from God in my prayer this morning." 
or just this kind of prayer of presence of being in God's presence. It's just, you know, it's like in any relationship, um, you know, to use, uh, you know, a, a, a married relationship, again, couples relate to one another in different ways. And there's one way where you're talking a lot and you're kind of talking about problems and things like that. There's another way where you and your wife might be walking down the beach and saying nothing. I mean, just because you're saying nothing, that doesn't mean nothing's happening or you're not in relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's fine. I mean, I think one of the points of the book is that different people pray in different ways and that's okay. So if you came to me and said, I'm praying in this one way where I go through scripture, I great. You know, as long as that's sort of making, helping you feel an encounter with God, if you're saying I pray in a kind of free form way, that's fine. You know, it's just, it's just being kind of open to new ways of praying. But the the what I do now as a practice, mm-hmm. anybody that does not at all believe in Jesus or God can do identically. So are they praying? Well, I would say prayer does involve, you know, some relation a relationship with God, right? So I think for me, and you know, like as you know, like these uh, sort of uh, the nomenclature changes all the time. When I hear meditation, which is fine, you know, kind of centering and that's one thing. Prayer does have an object. It's about the relationship. And I do. So what I often do for people who come to me and they're believers, right? And they'll say, oh, I do these meditation techniques. How do I pray? And I'll say, just invite God into it. I mean, just, just imagine God with you and kind of make it a little more intentional, you know, but it is prayer is about the relationship with God. So your definition of prayer is that there's a object. Do you have a more specific? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you... yeah. I call it a conscious conversation with God. Okay. So again, I think that I think the spousal imagery is really helpful. It is the difference between walking on the beach by yourself and walking on the beach with your wife. It's just different. Now, are you still enjoying, you know, the calm and the nature and the yes, but it's different. You have there's there's an there's a, an intentionality there. You know, but you're you use with the word someone. conversation. Yeah. No, but it, t- some people would say, I feel like this is a one way conversation. I know, I know, and that's why in the book I talk about. That's a great point. That's why in the book I talk about what happens, what comes up in your prayer and how can you know, or, you know, how can you start to know when God is communicating with you, not just in your daily life, which I think is sometimes more uh, uh, easy for people to see, but in your, in your prayer life. So yeah, it is, it is a two-way street and God does communicate. We just, people are generally not encouraged to notice that. That's, that's one of the points of the book, but no, I agree. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's being flexible too. Well, noticing is hard. I've I've it come is. to realize. I mean, that's part of doing the, any practice of meditation or anything is receptiveness to noticing things. I've exactly. got this ability to tune almost everything out and operate in the world. That's how I've operated my whole life is very focused, which is not noticing. <laughs> There's yeah, many no. things I don't notice all the time. And so and, just and, you to know, get in noticing is hard enough. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Like, I mean, I use the example of driving when you're driving and there's stuff going on on the side of the road. You don't want to notice it. You want to be kind of focused and, you know, there's distractions and stuff. But in prayer, sometimes you do have to kind of pay attention. So, so there's between driving where you have to focus, right? And you got to block stuff out. Maybe you do that in your work. And in your relationship with your wife, if you're walking down the, the beach and she's sad, if you don't notice that and say like, what's going on, then, you know, you're missing something. So yeah, noticing is important in prayer. Yeah. Especially. I always miss if she gets her hair cut or if she's sad. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I miss so, it every time. <laughs> two things not to miss. Right. So, so it's like, you know, so where is God asking you to notice mm-hmm. and look, and that's part of the conversation. Well, even added on to that, how do you know that prayer is even working or is that the goal that it works? Like, I mean, if you dedicate that, that's what I can't get past. Yeah, sure. If you dedicate yourself to something, 
Like, yeah. uh, if I say no matter what, I'm going to eat this way for six months. I'm gonna yeah. eat. A, I'm gonna eat healthy or what? You know, or I'm gonna cut out sugar no matter what for six months. Yeah. I I know that I will see some results, but with yes. prayer, oftentimes you ask for something and you it doesn't happen, and then you're told, well, you just got to notice that God's doing something else or different. Another great, you guys ask the best questions like of any podcasters. Um, <laughs> n- no, um, it's true. Um, let's let, so, so it depends what you mean by results. So and I'll, I'll answer that bluntly. Yeah. We ask for something and we sometimes don't get it. Okay. So like how many of us have been praying for like a vaccine? You know, we didn't, right. we didn't get it the first month. We we didn't get it last March, you know, and people died. And I'm sure people who are listening have lost loved ones and jobs. And we have to be blunt. We didn't get what we asked for, you know, when we asked for it. I think the difference is, I think that the better analogy, Toby, is the relationship. So if you say, I'm, you know, I have, I have someone who's a wife or a friend or whatever, and I'm going to be faithful to this person and put in the time, the the the, the strength, the love that this relationship requires, you know, then I, I will, then the relationship will deepen. That's what I'm saying. So yes, you, you might not get what you asked for, but will the relationship with God deepen? Yeah. And what will that mean? It will mean you will start to notice where God is present. So, cause God's, you know, God's not a stingy God. So what does that mean? So that means if you commit to praying, let's say half an hour a day, what I'm saying is, Eventually, and from time to time, you will experience God's presence. You just will, because that's just it, that God wants to be generous to you, or you'll start to notice God more, right? And it's not a magic trick. It's just like any relationship. If you put the time in, not every moment is going to be bells and whistles, right? Not every time you go out with your wife is going to be, oh my gosh, oh, I love you. It's sometimes it's going to be dry and difficult. But if you don't put in that time, you're never going to have the opportunity or the chance to really have those profound moments. That's what I'm saying. I think for me, um, it, so I would think almost the practice of it would be the thing that would be valuable. Like it, I had to stop thinking God was going to help me. Like, uh, I know this sounds really crazy, but I can remember in college where I was like, I was really on fire for God. And I thought, you know what, if you really believe that God is Lord and that he can do things that you could ask for anything. And so I committed my, this sounds crazy now. It's all right. I committed myself to. I've heard it all, you know. For, uh, I think it was like two weeks or a month that every day I would pray for like, uh, I think it was like an hour that Mm -hmm. uh, God would give me uh, a lot of money. Like I was was specifically, (laughs) you know, I I, I think I was praying for $400,000. Okay. Now, this sounds absurd, right? This sounds no, like a, a people, uh, look, people, but, but, yeah. but it's like a lottery God, or like you sure. say, like a transactional God. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get the thing that I want. Not, for an right. hour? Now, I think I, <laughs> yeah, I pray that an hour, four hundred thousand. Well, not, not in a Please. row. It, it, no, it was, Please. it was like, it, it, <laughs> it was like different times, and, and part of the prayer was what I would do with the money because I thought, well, I'm going to be oh. generous. You know what I mean? I, I have to I'll be a good really person with it. Well. Right? Yeah, yeah, don't worry. I know I'm going to buy this, this, and this for me, but the rest, don't you worry, guys. That's just all for the poor, uh, right? right. So, yeah. so right, now that seems like absurd and infantile and just ridiculous right. that I would, I would, I would do that, but uh, in the moment. I thought my faith is so strong in you that you will do this. And of course it didn't happen. It did not happen. Now I've always been taken care of. Um, I, I don't, you know, money hasn't ever really been a, a, I mean, there's definitely been times in my life where I'm like, uh Oh, I got to get money. I need it. Or I need help financially or whatever. But overall, I've always been taken care of. I've always been able to find, you know, sustenance and, mm-hmm. and my livelihood. But, uh, 
I felt like I was taught that because I thought if you believe your faith and your belief is so important, and if you can do that, then God will deliver. And then he didn't. Now, in retrospect, I think he really taught me a lesson because I was focused on something silly that didn't really matter. Like mm-hmm. I, I was putting my faith not in God and money, right? That, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. It, it yeah. was a very, it's a very young, uh, ignorant sure. way of thinking. Uh, it, you don't need money if you have God. I'd rather have God than money. God, God mm. would always deliver more than money ever mm-hmm. could. I see mm-hmm. that now. But at the same time, I don't. It still the reason I felt like I thought that is because this is the world and you need money and you need good mm-hmm. health and you need, so all the things that I feel like I should pray for are things that, well, why didn't God just go ahead and give me those? Like, why am I praying for things? Why wouldn't God just on the front end do it? Like what, what's this whole prayer thing? Like it does feel like in a way transactional. Like I have to ask for it because you're not going to just give it on the front end. Yeah. Well, part of it, that's, thanks for sharing that. Part of it is, you know, you, look, we have to be honest about what we want. Right. And look, Jesus at the garden of Gethsemane says, remove this cup. I mean, he's honest, right? I don't want to suffer. Basically. That's what he's saying at that particular moment. So he's honest. He also trusts in God. You know, we know that he says at the tomb of Lazarus, I, you know, I, I believe that you hear me. And then he accepts, you know, what comes basically. But I guess what I'm saying is this, um, you know, it's, it's okay to pray for what we we want. But I would say this, if you don't mind me asking, what what blessings would you say that God gives you in your life right now? And this is not a trick question. I'm I'm I want to ask you that question. Yeah, I think uh most blessing is my family. I have three kids Beautiful. and a wife and those those Beautiful. those are the things that even even with all the complexities there constantly are life-giving and fulfilling. Beautiful. All right, so let's say do you believe God has given you those blessings? Yeah, I do. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so so the deep so the main question is so the, so the way that God is relating to you right now is through the, these beautiful blessings of your, you have children. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Your, your wife and your children, which is beautiful. Okay. So, so there's this God who is giving you these blessings. And to the, the question is, so, so you believe that, that God loves you in that way. Is that accurate? Yep. Okay. So the question is, do you want to be in a relationship with the God who is loving you in this way? That, that's the main question. And it's yeah. not about getting stuff. It's, do I want to be in a relationship with this loving God? And, or, or maybe put negatively, why wouldn't I want to be in a relationship with this God, this beautiful God who's given you this, these wife, this wife and these children. Yeah. And, and so it's more, so it's not about, I want to get something. It's, I want to be in a relationship with this God who loves me, who loves yeah. me every moment of the day, who touches me through my wife and my children. And I'm sure you have beautiful experiences of your family. Why wouldn't I want to be in a relationship? And it's just spending time in prayer one-on-one with that God of love. Not the, not the, not the angry God that you were talking about yeah. in your youth. But I always say this, there's, there's Toby's God. There's the God that Toby had had imposed on him, right? Somehow, like when he was young, right? As the, the judgmental God, right? The angry yeah. God that would send you to hell for stealing the apples. And then there's God. And God is the God who's blessed you with these, this, your wife and children. And so that's the God to really in, encounter and to enter into a relationship with that God. That's God. The other God is kind of an idol, right? It's, it's false. It's not, it's not the way you experience God. So, you know, it's, it's in a sense, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me is that you have this yeah. image of this God. That's not really God. Right. So it's just, and it's a relationship. That's a relationship. And the relationship is hard. That's what I'm, even, it even is. with, with your spouse it is hard. or kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're, you're he's, right. he is mysterious. Right. And you don't know what's going on, but it's still worth it. 
Yeah, I mean, my wife's mysterious. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, right. I, I ask mean, her right. a lot, and she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> I mean, give right. me what I want either. Well, I mean, like people, I know people are mysterious enough, let alone God. You right. Know? So, and you know, this is one reason Jesus comes so it was to help us. You know, as Matt was saying, to help us understand. But it is. It's 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 entering into a relationship with this this mystery who loves you. Well, and who uh, we wants were, to be in a relationship with you. Well, that's a good place to wrap up. I know you got a, another meeting here in a second, but we, uh, Father Martin, we really appreciate your time. My the pleasure. book is called Learning to Pray, a Guide for Everyone. Where, uh, can they get it anywhere? Where do you want people to go to find the book? Anywhere good books are sold, as they say. Awesome. All right, Father Martin. Um, man, he's a... I, I still, what does Jesuit mean? <laughs> is that Jesus? Yeah, yeah, right. Jesus-based, like I, a... Th- don't you? I feel so dumb sometimes. I feel like I've said Jesuit a bunch in my life, but like I don't totally know. It, it, I mean, he's Catholic, right? Yeah, it's just a different branch, is what he said, right? Okay, okay. So I'm looking it up here. They have a few different vowels that they say, and there's a few different things, but it definitely is Catholic. On the uh, Jesuits.org, the Pope is on the front. His, his picture's on the front, so I'm starting to get it. So anyway, I still. It's funny that everybody has their own way of connecting to Jesus. Like that's why I yeah. just find him so compelling because every group ever almost c- claims some connection or interface with him in a way. And you like even too this yeah. deeper. Like they right? go, Oh, we're we're Christians. Oh, we're Jesuits. Oh, we're we follow this yeah. spiritual teaching on this, or he's part of this thing. Like he's included in everything yeah. somehow and very few enemy like almost everybody, even the people that you are told are evil, say, oh, he was a good teacher, just wasn't God, yeah. or whatever it is. Right. So that no matter what, to me, the dogmas, they just have to be, there's, they're like, I want, to, it's no way to not sound rude or something about it, but they say <laughs> all the dogma systems seem like training wheels for something to me. Right. Like a bigger that. thing. So that doesn't, it doesn't. Maybe that's it, where most people have to start, though. But, yeah, so it's yeah. not bad. Right. And everybody has some interface with who seems to really have understood yeah. how to live or see things, and that's Jesus. Yeah. He really, if you could understood, I mean, almost everybody thinks if they could understand him better, they'd be better off, right? Right. And it's just everybody has their different claim of how to utilize that. Have you had, like, this is funny because we're such good friends. Have you had the moment where you felt, really scared and lost and that like there was nowhere else to turn and it like you went to God. Have you had, do you have, you had that experience? I'll tell you mine while you're thinking about your, I don't know if you've had it or not, but I know you've heard the story a million times, but when I first went and worked at Mars Hill, we were in our house and Ruby ran out. She was real little. I mean, she was what a year and a half, two years. I guess she was about two years old. She ran out of the room. Uh, she didn't want to go to bed. She was just playing. And then I came back in the room and she walked towards me, fell over and started shaking in my arms, like having a seizure. And I didn't, it was the most craziest thing because I was immediately so scared as a human, this, this little baby, this little girl that my wife and I, Jess and I made was something was very wrong with her. And I was so scared because I had zero clue what was happening. What could I do? How could I help her? What if it didn't stop? What if she didn't stop shaking? What if her, you know, what if she died? All these thoughts. And I felt that I went into a prayer state without even my consent almost. <laughs> like, like I know that sounds crazy, but like I can remember this is the craziest thing. It feels like fog. It felt like the room was filled with fog. 
and I see Jess running like almost in slow motion from the kitchen, and I pick up Ruby and I hold my hand to Jess and say it's okay, and I pull Ruby to me, and it felt like a spiritual moment where God stopped her seizure or whatever it was, and Jess, I was able to because you know me, I know some uh, uh, anxiety, wild, crazy, nerves, emotional person. You can how was I calm in that moment? How was I able to? Settle my wife and myself and our daughter, and then we went to the emergency room, and they said zero is wrong with your daughter. Well, we don't know; it's just some maybe something crazy. Just zero. There is nothing wrong with her. She's totally fine. This at this point, it was like midnight or something. With you know, and I can remember just thinking, God be with us. Almost like there is nothing else. There is no hope. There is no any. There's no human. Maybe if a doctor was here, I would go. What you know, I'd put my faith in them. But in that moment when it was just us humans without a clue, God arrived as peace, not as healer, even. Uh, maybe he paused some stuff or whatever, but, but, but there's been so many other times where he did not show up, and I felt like, where are you, and why am I so scared, and why can't I fix this, and I'm angry, and what is pain and hurt and fear, 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 and so that's where prayer, I mean, and, and Father Martin, I think, admits this. Does it work? It's just it's a routine that sometimes God shows up and you you get enough of the God stuff to carry you for a while, but it, you can't say that it's consistent. No, I mean there, it's obvious that you could tell a story about to rectify to make it fit right. your your chosen right. way of looking. I have at one. It. I have one killer story right there where God I felt like gave me peace. Do you do you yeah. have that one story? Maybe. Well, I mean, I, I don't. I, it's, you don't? I mean, I could interpret it multiple. I just everything I've experienced and may experience in the future, I now understand I can interpret multiple ways, and I don't know that there is a way. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I I'm kind of more abstract at the, in the way I look at it all, but I'm I kind of believe, and so I'm using the word believe that that there is more that our minds can do and access that is very hard for us to do that is worth exploring. And these are all ways to kind of get at the thing that makes us very special as humans, that we can really do things with our mental state. And that's what I hear when I hear you saying that story, regardless of saying what I believe or don't believe, I, I don't know anything. I'm more like, Right. I guess I feel more agnostic, but I certainly have the fabric to understand it through God and Jesus, and I use that. Yeah, but I, I'm in a sense I use that in an agnostic way. But um, the way that you're saying that involuntary thing came over you—that is—that's really interesting because you 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 have a way of dealing with everything. You were able to shift into a different mental state to deal with your situation that did happen you did it god did it it happened all those things but it did happen you went into a state that you don't even recognize as you right it's not me at all so trance meditation spiritual thing uh, native americans do um like if you were if you think oh i was experience yeah yeah i mean there's ways of altered states of mind where Mm -hmm. you're not even in control and somebody will say oh it's the presence of god sure Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know, but it's it's something beyond you that you accessed 
or it's some version of you that you can't access without certain and so you start doing the sweat lodge or you start reading the ancient scriptures or you start yeah. just freaking pay, praying through the book of james i mean things will happen to you you will change your programming you you can change you you're a, even if you just look at it like you're a computer to get some of those weird programs running you can do weird things of breathing and thing whatever to get there and sometimes it's involuntary if you were if you imagine yourself in a plane crash you can say, oh, I would just scream my head off and I'd be in pure terror and it would hurt. Oh, but I don't think you, you probably wouldn't be that way. <laughs> It'd be some yeah. other way that you can't. Like if you suffered right. something that you think you couldn't handle right now, there's a way your brain would handle it right. when it happened. So, it, And that would be a very odd state and you wouldn't find it a familiar state. Yeah, you're but right. You, you, would, you could and would do it. And how and why and what all is involved in that beyond what we understand. I mean, I don't know. But it seems like there's – it's not that it's all bullshit. It's not yeah. not my point of view. Well, I still think there – I do also believe there's value in the routine of it. Like you do your uh, – Practice, ice, yeah. Polar bear plunge every morning, right, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you go get in ice cold water. Yeah. It, like I that do changes think my mind state. It does, but also the routine of it mm -hmm. is pretty powerful, right? Yeah, so you can make that in tradition, and you can yeah. call things you can call things God. I mean, obviously, all cultures have called different things God and gods. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that Nature concept all, is emergent yeah. from the way we are. are. Right. And now that's because God created us, and we have his imprint. And obviously, I mean, you can say it any way you want to say it, but we all automatically emerge just on our own the connecting with the higher thing, and it feels like it's something you can connect with. So, of course, yeah. you call it something, and then, it's, okay, so obviously God is the right term in my mind yeah. for, uh, I, and I don't have any goofy beliefs, but I'm just saying in the most abstract sense, God is a good term for abstract higher consciousness. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's not what I'm, I'm not making any claim about anything I believe with that, but right. that's just a universal way you could talk about the, uh, the Vikings or the indigenous people of or Christians from an era, there something's the same about all that, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not fake, and it is real. And you is can real. do it, and it does things happen. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, fascinating at least. And then I understand if some people hadn't have it more attached to more dogmas. Fair enough, right. too. I'm not, I don't have to diminish that. Prayer, man. <laughs> I can't believe on this podcast I told about how I prayed for four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> we still might get it. it might just be it not yet. I know. Dang it. I didn't. I don't think I won the HGTV Dream Home again. I but if up every if at day, some point you it. do get a check for four hundred thousand, even you'll go, holy shit, it worked. <laughs> I know, but you know what? I'll I'll think. Of course, we live in a simulation. <laughs> I don't know if I can even attribute that to the. Ancient God of old. Well, how anymore. would that be any different? I mean, I know if, you, it, if I we do live in a simulation, right. then there's clearly a God, and he and prayer. Right. I mean, that's like obviously that like solves it. That'd yeah. be the easiest way to understand it. Would be I've been thinking for a while uh, a creator that created a simulation would really value you experiencing his his creation and acknowledging, wow, you did this. That's really cool. How did you, you pick could. that color yeah. for those leaves? I think you that's did a that. good, that's pretty neat. I think did, that's you know, right. I think That's that would be the, I right. I want to kind be, of think about God that way, you know. If you want to use it, it, it it's like the the machine or the simulated being wants to understand its source code. 
Yeah. Or something like that. That it, that would be a sim- and there's right. no situation in which there is a creator and a creation that that isn't in itself a right. simulation. That is a sim- that's the definition of a simulation. Simulation right. doesn't mean not real. There's no simulation you can make that won't be real. Yeah. As soon as you make a simu- simulation with a conscious agent in it, it's as fucking real as it can be- get. Yeah. It is reality. Right. It's it, in fact Let's just stop using the term simulation from now on and try to remember this and see if it doesn't fit better. Whenever somebody suggests simulation, why don't you just say alternate reality? Wouldn't that be true? Yeah. Like if there's a simulated you that is conscious and another version somewhere else, and those are just two separate realities. This doesn't mean anything that one of them is physical. That doesn't even really yeah. enter into it. It's really funny. Like I feel like we, I've moved just in my lifetime. Born in seventy six, uh, I feel like in my lifetime I've gone from uh, there is a God to hearing there is no God, atheism or whatever, to uh, feeling again that you know, like not not that I went to atheism, but I'm saying hearing that opposite. There is God and there is no God. There was like that those two uh, predominant theories or whatever, right? And then now it feels like everything is leading us to a creator that we didn't expect. Like yeah, maybe that's it, a good way to say it. You know what I mean? Like it feels that way now. That that science and religion and even I mean everything that we're doing as humans is leading us to. Oh wait, there is some. Uh, I think you might have even said that like uh, intelligent design or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like you intelligent could say design that. has always been really stupid and creepy. Intelligent in design, some alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right, one right. stupid-ass alien flying through the galaxy made this intelligent right. design or something. Right, like that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the same way as somebody, yeah, some kid built a cool Lego set, you know, made yeah. this, built these Legos and it looked really awesome or, or something. Or there's a collective like, conscious higher than us that we're part of that is trying to, you know, get us to go away. Or right. Something crazy. Like, yeah. you never, I mean, it, yeah, but it's like bigger. It's got to be a little bit bigger than would fit in right. any system. And the, the idea there is that if there is this greater being that knows more than us, is more aware of our environment and our surroundings and all that stuff, that we have real value in our fuck-ups then. Like, because they don't have those. Or, like, I mean, for example, this is so funny. I, real quick. Uh, Ike, we've been taking him rock climbing at the Y, right? And they have this big rock climbing wall. And he just loves it. But the... uh teacher is really like nerdy and uh abrasive and i really like it he doesn't let any kid off like he's like mm-hmm. climbing hey, hey what are you that you're on the red rock you're supposed to be on the green rock and like he's just these the first time he's ike's climbed and the guy's just yelling at him i'm like this is pretty awesome yeah. like this guy is like i mean he has to be an asshole in certain situations you know what i mean but these kids he's completely invested and he knows that they should be on a different rock and he's going to let them know it. like i like i value that right Anyway, Ike comes down. Ike climbs all the way to the top. He comes, gets down to the bottom. He goes, Ike, uh, you know, if, if uh, he said, you got to really push off. If you don't push off, you know, what, what's going on? He said, and he said, all you got to do is, what do you need to say if uh, um, you're going down too fast? Ike's never done rock climbing. At all. Ike has to answer that question. Mm-hmm. What do you say if you're going down too fast? Ike has no clue. And he goes, and the co- teacher goes, slower, please. And Ike goes, slurpees. <laughs> slurpees <laughs> right then 
a kid going up the other wall, uh, he hears that and he's coming down and he goes, Slurpees. Yeah. Slurpees, right? Because <laughs> they thought, well, yeah. Oh, you're supposed to say Slurpees. It's easy to remember. Right, right. And that's what they heard. They know mm-hmm. what a Slurpee is. They don't know slower, please. Is what, what, hold on. They don't talk that way. And that whole idea there is that I created something there that wasn't right from the leader of the whole thing that was of supreme value. And so I, that, that's the other idea here is our fuck-ups, our mess-ups, our not getting it, being super scared of death, or we don't understand sickness or health or any of that stuff, it must be super valuable to that creator. Like, we think our screw-up, like I was always told my sin is the real bad thing. Maybe that's the real interesting thing. Holy yeah. shit, they did that? Uh, I think Wait, so. I created this thing and that's what happened? Well, so oh, so whoa. neither Ike nor the, what's great about that is that's not a zero sum thing where it's good or bad and you're either good and bad and the total amount of suffering is this is what it is. What happened in that little scenario was neither the instructor who created the environment he designed the environment they were in, yeah, nor the kid. Ne- neither one of them could have come up with a very catchy thing t- called Slurpee that every kid would then for, he, he might use that for the rest of his teaching. Oh, it was great. Right. I didn't yeah. come up with it. Right. So th- so he's God, and they're the sinner, and now there's actually a thing of value in the world that's created that's not zero sum. Right. A third thing, a new yes. thing, a special a new thing. thing that came out of a flaw or a failure or a right. miscommunication. A hiccup. Uh, of something yeah, yeah. beautiful came out of something not. Yeah. So that would make sense of why a conscious agent would create a thing uh, or a simulation. So if you did right. create simulations for science— you would be wanting to the novel things that you couldn't predict to come out of it. You right. wouldn't do it just to watch it unfold. That's not why you'd make a simulation. You would be wanting it to, especially if you put conscious agents in it, you'd be hoping for something maybe isn't that it, neither of you were right. capable isn't of. Isn't that the alone. point of a simulation yeah. to get a bunch of variables and, and, and see throw what them happens? In and, yeah. and see what happens. Like, oh, whoa, I didn't expect this. Something, oh, when yeah. this is put together, this is what happens. I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, to and generate so, yeah. something new possible yeah i agree that's a that's a neat way to think about it speaking of generating something new you might need a new relationship and that's called the bc club if you're not in the bc club well then fuck you forever you no matter how much you pray god will not forgive you not i you. know that for a fact if there's a god and you're not in the bc club i don't know what's going to happen to you but i that can't be good if you've so been I feeling join, a little guilt lately that's you probably feel why. guilt listening to this podcast and not join the bc club trust me it's it, it's less what, what do they always say how do they trick people into uh, giving money to like poor kids and stuff like it's a less than a cup of coffee a day or something like that mm-hmm. or you know it's way less than that we are join the BC club way less than a cup of coffee you just slurping it down while you know we over here dying <laughs> good god so join the BC club and if not i don't know what god's going to do to you that's on you that's on you that's between you and the creator but not i wipe me. my hands dust my yeah. feet yeah if you if you got something maybe i'll 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 commit to joining your club. But right now, this is the club we're talking about. We'll talk about other clubs later, but right now we're only talking yeah, about the BC Club. Stop trying to change the subject. Yeah, don't change the subject. We're talking about the BC Club and you joining it. So you, you could have paused better it, do it 20, 30 seconds ago. Oh, you didn't have to listen today. on to the next episode. You don't have to be For some reason, the creator wanted you to listen today. You better do it. <laughs> Remember, join the BC Club. Goodbye.